Good morning, Charles County. It's been a while, but welcome back. This is Cat Presents a Morning Cup of Advocacy. I'm Erica. And I'm Nicole. And yeah, it's been a while, but we're happy we're to update you on some things and um, to talk about a new topic. Yeah, one um, that we actually have not talked about before. Um, and so it's something that I think people don't know a lot about. So we thought that it might be helpful. Agreed. Cool. So what do we have for updates? Um, so first off, we want to give a shout out to the La Plata Rotary Club for their recent donation. Uh, we appreciate all of the great things that you do for Charles County and for us. Um, and we also wanted to, as we have in all of the past episodes, which maybe you have forgotten about. So um, we are on Amazon Smile, um, and which is now available on the Amazon app, which is really helpful because I am an Amazon app shopper, not so much on the desktop. Um, so you just kind of follow the same steps and you can get all signed up. Uh, we are under our old name uh, or our tax name, which is the Community Crisis and Referral Center, um, but it's still in Waldorf. Awesome. And, yeah. Um, and so we also wanted to say that our office is opening back up for clients. Um, starting actually this month, um, clients can have their sessions in person at CAP. We are still trying to do um, – intakes over the phone or through um like a web program um but it, after that we're definitely having clients come back in for their sessions um and we are staggering client times masks still must be worn in the office at all times regardless of vaccination and everybody will continue to be socially distanced just for everyone's safety yeah and if you have any kind of questions or concerns, or even if you have any ideas of how, like if you've been into our office, like it is really small. Um, so if you have any ideas or anything that might be helpful, please reach out to like me or Erica, and we can definitely run these by our um, director and see, because we are always looking for new ideas. Definitely. And we want to make sure that we feel safe and you feel safe when you're here. Exactly. Because safety is a big concern because nobody wants to get COVID. We've talked about it. Nobody wants it. Um, yeah. And one of the other updates that we wanted to do um, that some people might not be aware of that we do do a quarterly newsletter that also does um, updates on what's happening at CAP. Um, we'll post like job openings or anything or sign up for events. Um and you can sign up with uh, just on our website. Which is, if you don't know it, www.centerforabusepersonscharlescounty.org. Yes. But um, I do highly recommend that folks sign up for the quarterly newsletter mm -hmm. because as cool as Facebook is, as cool as Twitter and um, Instagram are, Sometimes I feel like those things can get lost in like the internet algorithms and stuff. So if you definitely want to make sure you know what's new with us, that's the best way. Yes, um, because we do kind of keep everything on our website um, and our Facebook. You can go there. But like Erica said, like Facebook al algorithms kill us sometimes because we can't you can't see all the things all the time. 
Um, so our newsletter is one surefire way that you will see everything. Agreed. All right. And we have some events coming up, right? We have one and it's going to be a cool one. <laughs> well, I was going to say, this, since I can't remember the last time we recorded an episode, um, just in case it's been a really long time, we had a 5K, our mm-hmm. very first one we've been talking up forever, and it was really fun. It was, and it was actually a really good turnout. We were unsure because with COVID and everything going on, but it was a great turnout, and so we probably should have done a shout out to thank everybody for who participated in that as well. So there's a little shout out. So thank you. Yes. And I mean, I know we'll need to speak with Annette about it, but I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure everyone's on the same page that we want to do it again next year. It should be an annual thing because of how fun it was, how successful it was. And the weather was on our side, which was really strange. It was supposed to rain that entire week. It was. And I think it was maybe an hour after we left, like we got everything packed up and then the rain came. So it like held out for us. It was fantastic. Oh, yeah. Well, um, as far as upcoming events, because we're looking toward the future, um, (laughs) we have a community breakfast coming up and that's going to be in October. Mm -hmm. And we don't have a lot to tell you yet because we're still in the planning stages and whatnot. But be sure that, again, you're on the newsletter and you're looking at social media and our website for those updates as they come. Mm -hmm, Because it'll be a very, very good time um, and very educational as well. Totally. Well, it's Nicole's favorite time. It's my favorite time of the podcast. (laughs) It's holiday of the day. (laughs) Okay. And so, as we know, I like to pick the weirdest holiday of the day. But today's holiday of the day might be my favorite um, with National Milk Chocolate Day. If you know anything about me, you know I love chocolate and will do anything for a piece of chocolate. Um, So go out and enjoy your favorite milk chocolate today. Tell me why when you originally told me that that was the holiday of the day, (laughs) my brain read that as National Chocolate Milk Day. And now that I know that it's Milk Chocolate Day, I'm way less excited, actually. So I'm not going to lie. When I read it the first time, too, I thought it was National like Chocolate Milk Day. And I was like, oh, yeah, because who doesn't love chocolate milk? Um, But I'm still really excited for Milk Chocolate Day. But I think you could get away with having some chocolate milk today as well. well good, because I was going to ask you if for <laughs> lunch we could like make some chocolate milk because I thought yes. that was really nice. Let's do it. I'm in. Cool. <laughs> okay, well, let's jump right into it because I know you're not just here for our charming personalities. <laughs> Which are amazing. Well, thank you. Uh, <laughs> moving on to our main topic, we're going to talk a little bit about runaway and homeless youth and relationship violence. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So defining homeless youth. Homeless youth are typically defined as unaccompanied young people in their teens or early 20s who are without family support and are living in shelters, on the streets, in cars, vacant buildings, or are couch surfing or living in other unstable circumstances. Mm Mm-hmm. Pretty straightforward. Had you asked me to find homeless youth, I would have said the same thing. Yeah. I mean, I think when you think of homeless youth, it like that is a very generalized definition because I think if you ask somebody, like you said, to define homeless youth, you'd probably say somebody who is 
like living in a shelter or on the streets. Like, and for me, I don't think I would have thought about somebody who is like couch surfing as being homeless when in fact, like it is like, if you think about it, but in my head, I don't think I would have processed like somebody who's just bouncing from couch to couch. No, you're imagining the more extreme situations, which I think is natural for the kind of work that we do. Exactly. Yep. Um, Well, and of course we always want to talk statistics. Um, In 2018, over 23,500 runaways were reported to the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. Adolescents who have run away from home, are homeless, or are unstably housed experience substantially higher rates of dating violence and victimization than their stably housed peers. Mm. And that's not a surprise. Not really. It's not at all. Mm-mm. Yep. Runaway and homeless youth often have little or no support systems and those being abused in a relationship might find it more difficult to leave their abuse abusive partner if they have no one to help them access the options available to them. Mm -hmm. And I want to point out too, like that is a major topic when you think about um, domestic violence and dating violence. Whereas like dating violence, a lot of times, like when we say dating violence, we talk about, um, kids who live with their parents and they're dating somebody else who also lives with their parents. So they have that kind of shelter to go home to, like they can go to their home. Um, but when you have somebody who is a runaway or a homeless youth in that situation, they may be living with that significant other and their family, which puts them in kind of a hard situation because if they leave there, where are they going to go? Yeah, exactly. And that's why I'm, I'm going to be happy when we get to our resources portion, mm-hmm. <laughs> just to say that if you're in that spot, there is hope for you. Yeah. Yeah. Let's see. Where were we? Um, that number could be way more due to teens and adolescents moving through different systems quickly and some not even using any networks to get help. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that experience is incredibly isolating. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think in anything that we talk about, that situation can be very isolating and very kind of you start turning inward. Yeah. Yep. And locally, as of 2019, we had 713 homeless students in Charles County out of the 17,601 in the state. Wow. Yeah. So you think about a classroom being 30 people. Like our graduating class was probably what, 300, 350? I think so, yeah. So that's our graduation times two and a little more. Mm-hmm. And those are all students that don't have stable housing. Yeah. And that's crazy. Mm-hmm. And I'm really happy that we included that local number because you can say nationally this is how much it is but when you actually like look at those numbers and say this is actually how many people in your community like in our community 713 homeless students yeah and it's really easy just to brush things off and say well we we have a big country and like that doesn't happen here though Mm -hmm. but it does but it does Like, this is the number. And realistically, as we know with domestic violence and sexual assault, that number is probably way higher. Oh, yeah. We're talking, this is just out of things that are known and reported. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, okay. So we're going to jump into some um, kind of facts that you may not have known. Um, so abuse and neglect at home is often the reason that youth end up on the streets. So you hear me and Erica talk about it when we talk about abuse and neglect in homes, in relationships, um, but that is one of the leading causes for why you have youth and runaways. Yep. Yep. There's always a why, and that makes mm-hmm. sense. Yeah. Um, and so relationship violence is perpetrated and experienced by youth both on the street and in stable housing. Definitely. Um, yeah, you can't say that um, teen or young adult relationship violence is only happening to those that are homeless or don't have stable housing. It happens mm-hmm. all across the map. It does. And it happens in different because I also hear it when we talk about like domestic violence. People always say, oh, well, this is a good community. That doesn't happen here. But actually it happens across the board in every community, in every um, like class system. So um, middle class, low income, it happens across the board. Um, yeah. Yep, so, these kind of things touch all parts of a community as well. Mm-hmm. Some more than others, but that yeah. that's why we like to be advocates and that's why we love the community education aspect of our jobs too. Exactly. Because I think whenever we go out and do a presentation, whether it's on this topic or another topic, we always have somebody come up to us and is like, oh, I never knew about this or I never knew about that. And it's always like, well, this is why we do this. This is why we talk to you guys and give information about things. Exactly. And back to that phrase that we say almost (laughs) every episode Even if you personally have not been affected by these things, someone in your life has, and that's why Mm -hmm. you should care about it. Exactly. Cool. And current statistics show an average of 20 to 35% of youth involved in dating relationship report experiencing current or past incidences of dating violence. Okay. So even if... That's on the lower end, and it's 20%. That's still mm-hmm. one in five. Mm-hmm. And if it's 35%, that's almost one in three. Exactly. Yep. So it's happening at a rate that people don't know about. Um, because personally, like, growing up, I never thought about any of this. Um, and so, like, to see these statistics come out, and, like, I work in this field, and to see some of these, I'm just like, Wow. Like that is a lot higher than I expected. Yeah, I agree. Okay. Several factors contribute to the high rates of relationship abuse and victimization within the runaway and homeless youth population, including limited access to resources and increased exposure to street culture. Definitely. Because Mm -hmm. when your new normal becomes really survival- You have that survival instinct. So you're going to do everything to kind of survive, which I think comes back to that street culture, which is very much um, a you will do anything to survive kind of thing. Sure. Well, and not to be like too dark about things, but like I've known 
folks that have been in those kind of situations. And I know Mm -hmm. when you're well off, you would think, well, I would never like eat from a trash can. Mm -hmm. Well, when you need food and And you don't have options, that's what you'll do. Yeah. You'll do what you have to do to survive that next till that next day. Exactly. Um, And homeless youth may engage in substance strategies that place them at greater risk of relationship violence, such as survival sex, that increase their visibility and their proximity to potential predators. Yeah. So defining survival sex, Mm -hmm. you need certain things to survive. And if that is what gets you what you need Mm-hmm. to continue living and to be a little better off than you were, it's out of obligation. Yeah. Or their perspective is that it's out of obligation. Exactly. And especially if you need a place to stay because the place you were staying, um, maybe you got kicked out or like that just didn't work out. And this person is like, oh, you can stay with me, but we have to have sex. Yeah. So you're trading that sexual favor for security security yep Mm -hmm. and um not surprising but many runaway and homeless youth have multiple histories of trauma Mm -hmm. and those histories include family violence parental neglect parental mental illness childhood sexual and physical abuse sexual exploitation rape sexual assault survival sex gang violence intimate partner violence Studies also document resiliencies and strengths among runaway homeless youth that serve as important protective factors in light of high levels of violence exposure. Wow. Yeah. In one study, 70%, 70, so that's 7 out of 10, have experienced Mm -hmm. some form of violence. 32% had been sexually assaulted, 15% after being on the streets. Mm, crazy well and it's something like to be said too because that survival sex plays a factor too in sexually assaulted um because yeah you think that person is willingly giving themselves over for that security but Mm -hmm. that's still an assault like that's still sexually assaulted yeah so that number is crazy and and really if you're being manipulated into it just to get things you need to survive that's not a consensual situation whatsoever. Exactly. As so we I just wanted to point that out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, and as we, when we speak about consent, we always say it's enthusiastic. If it's not an overwhelming yes, it's a no. Yes. And because most of the time, if you think about it, especially for this population, so the runaway and homeless youth, they need somewhere to go. They need somewhere to stay. And in their mind, okay, this is the best place that I can be. And all they're asking for is sex. That's not a big deal. Um, And so goes back to you will do what you have to. And I hit the mic. I'm so sorry. Um, You have to do what you have to do. Yeah. And it's amazing the the difference it can make in a young person's life when they have those needs met and they don't have to worry about it. Mm-hmm. So another study found that 60% of homeless female youth and 25% of males had reported being sexually assaulted prior to leaving home. Oh, wow. Like prior to them actually living on the streets or yeah. couch surfing. 
Yeah. So the, yeah. those kind of things are what can lead to homelessness. That's crazy because they probably like think, cause if it were me, I'd think, Oh, well, if this is as bad as it's here, I doubt it's that bad everywhere. Well, and I, I imagine a couple different scenarios. If it's an issue of someone that you're living with, that's the perpetrator, mm-hmm. that's your aggressor. Like you're going to want to get out of that situation. Exactly. Or let's say you're a young woman who's experienced sexual assault in some other way, but your family's not believing you and you Mm -hmm. don't have that support in home. And you also don't have community resources that you're connected with. I can see why you just need to get out by all means necessary. Agreed. Um, Because it's not easy to be in that situation. Not at Um, all. So, okay. Something we're going to switch gears a little bit um, because something that we've talked about before um, like digital abuse and digital abuse being the use of technology um, to kind of abuse or threaten. Um, we've talked about it in relation to like domestic violence and dating violence. Um, but we also wanted to talk about it here as well, because as we know, um, and I do this as well, I'm on my phone all the time. Um, so something that is within this like younger population of always having a phone and um, how that can lead to um, like harassment and intimidation. Yeah. And it's hard to disconnect yourself from it. It is. When everything personally and professionally is tied to the internet. Mm-hmm. Well, and if you think about it, cause I think we were the one, one of the last generations to, um, no life before the internet. Oh yeah, definitely. Cause I was probably 12, I was 12 in 2002. And that's when like we had internet at my house. Yeah. Like my, readily available. Yeah. But my like early childhood, mm-hmm. I mean, we had a computer for like simple games, but like we, I was not online communicating with people I didn't know. Mm-hmm. And so that adds a whole new development because a lot of these newer like teens are have n- always had the internet and have always known some of these things. And so we all like as providers and everything had to think of how to help that situation. Yeah. Um, well, and we're, th- we're in our th- early 30s now. Yeah. So even um, the kids that are in college now, that's all they've known. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's it's crazy and it's such a different world um, that you have to talk about uh, digital abuse because there is such a market there right now that it's so easy to do. Um, so I'm going to jump in. Um, so as I was kind of, as we kind of said, digital abuse, digital abuse is the use of technology such as a cell phone or social media to threaten, intimidate, or harass a current or ex dating partner. A victim of digital abuse may receive excessive texts, messages from that dating partner. They may be pressured to share account passwords, Uh, may have experienced stalking via social media or be told who they can or cannot communicate with on social media. Um, They also might be told who they can or cannot contact via text messaging. Um, That person could have their 
account numbers on like their pin numbers for their phone and can check their phone at whenever they want to. Mm-hmm. Um, and in some cases, victims may be pressured to engage in sexting, um, which is texting of a sexual nature. Mm-hmm. Um, and abusers often use these sexually explicit pictures to also blackmail their victims. Um, yeah. Some people may have heard of uh, like revenge porn, which yep. is a crime now um, because Good. of all of this. I agree. It should be. Um, and there are places like um, like porn websites who have actually um, removed, like taken off all of their videos because they just had tons of like revenge porn. That's a really good thing to hear that those websites are trying to be morally just about it. Exactly. Um, And so when I heard that, I was like, oh, that's really neat. And that's really awesome that they did that, that they took that initiative, that they were just like, we're going to take everything off and only have people that we have verified are allowed to kind of post videos and stuff. I was like, oh, that's really neat. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, so the weird things that I find on the internet, that's good. <laughs> doing the work that we do, but I thought that that was really relevant because revenge porn is a huge thing right now. Yeah. Of sharing those pictures and videos and things. To be um, honest, that probably could have been a whole, a whole episode on its own, like the, the culture of it and how things are looking better. Agreed. In terms of um, like sexting and um, mm-hmm. and revenge porn, and the the law is slowly evolving. Exactly, um, and especially a lot of these. Since we're talking about teens and runaways, a lot of um, the this group actually um, it's a whole nother category because it can also be revenge porn. It can also be child pornography. Mm-hmm as well too because they are underage so it gets a little dicey um in this age group um but there are also many signs that can help you identify if someone is a victim of digital abuse Uh, a young person may be a victim of digital abuse if their partner checks their cell phone constantly checks their email or social media especially without permission yes um Yeah, and that's a big part, without permission. Um, That they control who they can be friends with on social media. I hear Um, that a lot coming from high school age. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, And that's kind of a pretty big red flag um, to me because just because you're, as we all know, just because you're friends with somebody on like Facebook or Instagram may not be that you actually like know that person. Um, So it, it, it's a little red flaggy. Agreed. Um, sends negative or insulting or even threatening emails, DMs or direct messages or other messages online. Um, they use sites like Facebook, Twitter, Foursquare, and others to kind of monitor the victim's whereabouts. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think a lot of those, I think even Instagram does it now where you can actually like tag your location. Yeah. Um, and some people don't know that, like, that's a thing that somebody can even turn on your phone, um, where it can, they can, like, whatever you post, it just tags where you are. 
Um, Snapchat too has this really weird feature that I've never felt okay with. So I never had it activated on my phone, but it's like all the people that you follow on Insta, not Insta, sorry. Um, Snapchat, (laughs) Snapchat. you can see on a map. Oh, that's creepy. And you see, you know, the little people's avatars and like where they're standing is where they are at the moment, which I guess if you're only connected to your really close friends on there, that would be fine. Mm -hmm. But if you're friends with like random internet folk or friends of friends, I, or some people are even totally public with their Snapchat. I'm so surprised by that. Yeah. I'm actually really surprised when I see like public profiles on like a lot of people when it comes to like social media. I've always Um, kept my accounts protected for everything. Yeah. And that's always a good practice um, yeah. because you don't want random people just looking at what you're doing or knowing well, and, exactly where you are all the time. Well, and maybe it's because I've heard too many true crime podcasts. Maybe it's because <laughs> I watch 2020 too much. Maybe it's because of what we do for a living. But be- better to be safe. Protect your social media. Don't keep everything public if we're yes. allowed to give advice to you. Yes, please. Please keep everything as private as possible. Um, something, some other things that, um, a partner might do that is unwanted, um, and some warning signs is they might send unwanted explicit pictures, um, and demand some in return. Um, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that kind of goes back to the sexting and kind of, um, that what are you going to do? Um, that survival sex, that type of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, and so sometimes those victims feel like they need to send those back for such and such reason or to kind of keep the peace so that they don't get upset or anything. Mm -hmm. Um, they may also, um, the partner may also steal or insist on giving all passports to, um, emails, pin numbers for your phone, um, even PIN numbers to, like, your credit cards, things like that. Um, always constantly texting and making the victim feel like they can't be separated, even if they're not in the same location. Mm-hmm. So that sounds like, um, let's say you went out to have dinner with your college friends and your partner is, like, constantly texting you, like, where are you? You said mm-hmm. you'd be back at such and such time. Or, um, oh, I thought you were going to be at this front this restaurant and you're over here like that's not what I thought you said and mm-hmm. etc and exactly exactly yeah um and then also looking through a partner's phone frequently checking on pictures text messages outgoing calls so basically trying to use anything that they can to feel that controlled like make yep, sure you to, t- to take your freedom away exactly to take your freedom away mm-hmm Now, we were talking about how important that why is, as in, like, why, how would someone get into this kind of situation? Mm -hmm. And what leads youth to become runaways or homeless? Yeah. And I think that's a good thing to kind of know because we've told you a little bit about it. But how did this happen? What is some of the leading reasons? Yep. And this is recapping a little bit to what I was speaking to earlier, but... Many runaway and homeless youth seeking services have witnessed domestic violence or have been victims of relationship violence, maltreatment, or neglect in their homes. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, Family dysfunction, a little bit more about that. 
Research suggests that the primary cause of youth homelessness is family dysfunction in the form of parental neglect, physical or sexual abuse, family substance abuse, and family violence. Vulnerable children and youth run from families where there is dysfunction only to be re-victimized in the streets. And that's, and I think that's the unfortunate reality is because we've kind of talked about that, like teens think that, oh, my life here in this home is really bad. It's going to be so much better going somewhere else. Yeah. And then that's not typically what happens. Well, and it's one of the more sad and frustrating things that I feel we witness at times is when mm-hmm. someone's in, you you know, their past and what they grew up with and the awful things that they witnessed or were subjected to. Mm-hmm. And then they grow up and they're not breaking that cycle. Yeah. It's a, it's a very hard thing to do if you grew up with violence and then you end up in a relationship where you're a victim of it yourself. Mm-hmm. It's hard to, like you said, it's hard to break that cycle. Yeah. Um, it's not easy. And that's why we offer as much help as we can, because we know that that's not easy. Exactly. Um, And then we're going to talk a little bit about aging out. So every year between 20,000 and 25,000 youth age 16 or older transition from foster care to legal emancipation. That's what they call aging out of the system. They enter into society with few resources and a lot of challenges such as lack of self-sufficiency skills, lack of financial resources, mental health and post-traumatic stress disorder, physical health concerns, and greater rates of substance abuse. Mm. I mean, that, and that's a lot. If you've been in the system and you're going from foster home to foster home, and all of a sudden you're legally emancipated, so you're entirely on your own, sometimes without those skill sets. Mm-hmm. that you need then, to keep yourself safe and successful yeah and there's and i think it's a book um i haven't read the book but i read the or i watched the movie it's called white oleander and it is about this girl and her mom uh gets arrested and basically spends her whole life in prison so she is bouncing from foster home to foster home um And then she like ages out of the system. Um, But it's kind of like her, what she goes through in foster care system. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that book and movie, like I said, I haven't read the book, so I can't say, but like the movie kind of shows all of what you were just kind of talking about for the aging out and like bouncing to foster care and foster care. Mm -hmm. Um, So if you haven't, it's a good movie to check out. I'm interested to check it out. Mm -hmm. Very cool. It has Michelle Pfeiffer. Oh, she's great. She's my favorite Catwoman. Yeah, she plays uh, the mom, actually. Gotcha. What year was it made? Just curious. Ooh, uh, early 2000s, I think. When is that, like 2005 or something? Cool. Yeah. Well, should any of you check that movie out, let us know how (laughs) you feel and what your impressions are about these real-life things that are sometimes depicted very well in film. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. So additionally... Many youth run away from foster care before they turn 18, and the majority of runaway youth simply fall through the cracks, Mm. unfortunately. Yeah. And um, some other factors that can motivate youth to run away from home, school difficulties, problematic relations with peers, relationships with delinquent peers, teen pregnancy or parenthood, lack of family acceptance for LGBTQ plus youth 
or behavioral and mental health problems. Mm-hmm. So all of those things really sound like to me, if you're going to lump them in the same category, which may or may not be correct, it's, <laughs> it's, it's lack of finding the correct resources. Yes. Right? Yes. Because as we know, resources are very limited. And so especially if you don't know that that resource exists, then what are you going to do? You're going to kind of fall through the cracks, um, yeah. which is what we, me and Erica, try to prevent Exactly. Um, which is why we kind of started this podcast. Um, so as Eric has been mentioning, um, some helpful resources and places to kind of contact. Um, so these are some programs that are serving this runaway and homeless youth age group. Mm-hmm. Um, so basic center programs offer community or offer crisis intervention and short-term shelter for runaway and homeless youth who are under the age of 18. Uh, Young people can access up to 21 days of shelter care, as well as non-residential services, such as counseling and others to help stabilize the crisis and create a plan for moving forward, Um, which seems like a really good program. Yeah, I agree. Um, So transitional living programs, also um, TLP for short, um, maternity group homes help runaway and homeless youth between the ages of 16 to 21 develop the necessary skills to live independently over the course of 18 to 21 months. Uh, Some programs there also provide non-residential services such as ongoing life skills training um, through the transitional living programs. Great. I um, love that it's over a year too. Agreed. Um, so it seems like they do keep them for a little bit because um, sometimes there are some people who like short is always the best and then they're onto something else, but some people need that kind of long-term care. Um Especially if, because I know one of those was maternity group home. So that's kind of nice because you have a little bit of stability for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also street outreach programs, which link youth living on the streets with support services. So the core of the program um, is a street kind of outreach team that develops relationships with youth. So in urban settings like cities and things like that, a program might also have a van that travels around to the cities um, to various kind of hot spots where they know a lot of these uh, runaway and homeless youth are and gives them kind of hands out basic need items like um, clean clothes, blankets, food, or even personal hygiene products, mm-hmm. um, which they might not have access to. Yeah, I've, I've heard of those kind of programs, and those make that immediate difference. For they someone. do, um, especially um, just having clean clothes, because if you're trying to get a job or something, um, like having that clean, being able to wear those clean clothes like to that interview or something can be um, crucial. Yeah. Well, that and also um, like self-worth and self-confidence and Mm -hmm. your your mental health, your emotional health. If you have a clean pair of clothes, some like a hot meal and Mm -hmm. hygiene supplies, being able to brush your teeth at the end of the day or have feminine products if you're needing that, that can make a world of difference. Mm hmm. 
Um, and in more rural areas, so that was kind of like the urban settings, like the cities and things, um, in more rural areas, kind of like um, where we are here in Charles County, um, and it's more common around um, the United States, um, youth and runaway and runaways are more likely to like couch surf or stay with friends um, rather than live on the street there's like drop-in centers, um, which are more common. So they would have like access to some of those other things, but instead of it being a van kind of driving around, it's more of like a center that they would go into. Mm-hmm. Um, fun story. Um, a friend of mine from elementary school, mm-hmm. um, she went to UMES when we were going to Salisbury. Oh, cool. Um, she actually runs a nonprofit out in Wicomico now. That's that kind of center. Oh, that's awesome. And she and she does an incredible there. job. Yeah. That's awesome. So should anyone somehow be listening from the Eastern Shore, please let me know and I can tell you all about her nonprofit. <laughs> she works very hard at it. And I think the work she does is absolutely incredible. And that's awesome because it's definitely needed over on the Eastern Shore as well. Yeah. Um, so there's also a national runaway hotline. Um, which is federally designed or federally designated national communication system for runaway homeless youth and their families. And that is 1-800-RUNAWAY. Mm-hmm. So it's 1-800-R-U-N-A-W-A-Y. Um, they also have a website, which is 1-800-RUNAWAY.org. Perfect. And we do have a local center here in Charles County um, yes. that does help this population. Um, they are called Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. of Charles County. And their website is www.yessofcc.org. Yeah. And then they provide um, services as well to this population. Yeah, I thought that was a wonderful thing to discover that we have those resources right here in county. Agreed, because I did not know about that. Um, so when we were doing this, um, it's now a new resource that we can um, help people to connect with. Mm-hmm. But um, as always, we'll tell you that if you have any questions or comments mm-hmm. about anything, please feel free to either email or call us about it. Mm-hmm. Um, that phone number for our 24-7 crisis hotline. And yes, we do have to remind you about it again because that's of our course. job. It's um, <laughs> 301-645-3336. Mm-hmm. And if you um, need our website, I know Erica said it earlier, but we'll say it again, is www.centerforabusedpersonscharlescounty.org. Awesome. Well, Thanks, Nicole, for hosting another pod with me. Of course. And um, thanks, listeners, for tuning in. And I know we've said it before, but if there's something that you would like us to talk on, um, please let us know, because clearly we've kind of running out of ideas since we've had a couple months with nothing. So if you have any ideas, please let us know. Agreed. Well, enjoy your coffee. Enjoy your morning. Yes, and thank you for being with us today. Bye. Bye.